We're going to go to Matthew 11 tonight, and uh, I'm going to pick up about the 15th verse. But I just want to lead into it tonight. Jesus is getting ready to enter into a change of seasons when his cousin John is imprisoned. And uh, John's in a unique place because his prison is the will of God. And he starts to be offended that God has not extracted him from the trouble but instead leaves him there. And whenever he sends his disciples to talk to Jesus, it's amazing that John, John was really born with the revelation of who Jesus was. He was born to be the forerunner of Christ. The Spirit of God literally rested on him in his mother's womb. But whenever he got to a prison of isolation, he told two of his disciples, go make sure that I'm not wrong. Now, that's not King James. But he's the one that told the world, introduced Christ to the world, saying, behold, this is him. Yet he gets locked up in isolation and he sends his disciples, say, go, go ask if he really is who I said he was. And Jesus, believe it or not, responds with the word of God. I know when we read this, we just think Jesus was talking to him saying, you go tell John the blind are seeing and, and the lepers are cleansed and the lame walk and the deaf hear and the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached unto them. But Jesus was actually quote, quoting scripture. He was letting John know what the prophet Isaiah had prophesied as being fulfilled. Jesus did that all the time. I know Jesus was a different kind of preacher because when he was hanging on the cross, he didn't take the time to draw his text and say, I'm getting ready to quote a psalm to you. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he quoted scripture all the time. And when John said, are you really, are you really him? He said, you go tell John that the word of God is being fulfilled, that it's happening. And blessed are they that are not offended at me. And so, it's sad that John's ministry is coming to an end, but it's time to enter into a, a, different, uh, a different kingdom dispensation. And the Lord, this is where the Lord makes the famous statement. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, he said that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And as we come into verse 15, Jesus turns the table a little bit and he he starts saying look John came for a reason and he came preaching repentance and he said he that hath an ear let him hear he said if you've got ears to hear it you need to hear it and then he gets kind of tough in verse 16 Matthew 11 and 16 he said but whereunto shall I like in this generation it's like children that are sitting in markets and they're calling to their fellows and they say, we've piped unto you, but you haven't danced. We've mourned unto you and you haven't lamented. He said, John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he hath a devil. 
The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, the man's gluttonous and a wine-bibber. He's a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Verse 20 gets kind of tough. This is where we're going to pick up steam. Then began he to upbraid the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done. Why? Because they repented not. He said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, what did he say? They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done, think about this right here. If it had been done in Sodom, Sodom would still be here today. God said, I am giving you a chance by mighty works that if I would have given that chance to Sodom, it still would have been here today. But I say unto you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Uh, I have kind of a twofold, twofold uh, title tonight. I want to talk to you. The essence of what I want to talk to you about tonight is why, why does God move? Why do we see moves of God? I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the earth right now. Bishop kind of slipped it in an offering. I'm going to talk to you about it tonight. Why does God move? But I, I, I want to give you a title tonight. I want to preach to you. Stay in the chair. Right. Tell somebody close to you, stay in the chair. Come on. And when I say stay in the chair, that don't mean you got to stay there the whole time I'm preaching. I better, I better see somebody moving a little bit tonight. So, last week, uh, on Wednesday, the 8th, uh, we were headed back into Oslo, Norway, from up north. We had gone to Lillehammer for three days. And... Uh, we came in late that night. Of course, the time change is a little off, so uh, it's amazing how much difference six hours makes because I'm, I'm off when you're on and you're off when I'm on, and it's just it's different. And so my wife and I came in. We had one more meeting uh, that night late, uh, an 8 o'clock meeting that lasted until about 11 or so, and then she and I expired for the night and got up really early to, to go to the airport. And when we boarded in Norway, uh, we were headed to Amsterdam. And so our day was really just getting started when we got to Amsterdam, had breakfast there and the airport. And I started reading about something that had transpired in the night for us. Uh, on Wednesday last week at Asbury College in Kentucky, it was a normal chapel service. And... Uh, what I'm going to say, please don't think I'm being critical, but I, I watched a portion today of 
the sermon that started this whole thing and there wasn't much to it it was very very simple it was uh, honestly it started off kind of goofy he was cutting jokes about 25 minutes long and when he got to the end of it you could feel kind of a shift in what he was saying and he was saying don't don't come this far and then just just leave like God is drawing you don't don't leave he said we've got three months of school left and you can't afford to leave here after what God has shown you and just go back to normal Right? And that was basically it. Like, he didn't have to work nearly as hard as I do for altar calls. I'm like, dude, I need a raise. Because that was crazy. And so, there have been a lot of people talking about this. And now it's, it's broken out a couple other colleges and prayer meetings. Which is, it's interesting because you see, you see one thing and you get inspired. And so... It's inspiring a generation, and people, people are asking me right now. I'm hearing the questions come to me. What do you think about this? Is this strange fire? Is this something that's not real? And I say to you emphatically tonight, I celebrate it with all my heart. I celebrate what God is doing. I celebrate the hunger in these kids. I celebrate the hunger that's in our nation. Well, pastor, what, what, what if they don't have this? What if they don't have? Hey, I'm going to tell you what they have. They have hunger. And whenever people get hungry, God shows up. When people get hungry, God shows up. God doesn't wait for us to get everything in alignment doctrinally to show up. He doesn't wait for us to get everything perfect to show up. When God shows up, it brings us to a hunger like we have never seen before. And it's that hunger inside of us that leads us to relationship with God. So we're, we're going we're gonna to walk through some of this tonight. And I just, I just feel like telling you tonight, you need to stay in the chair. You need to stay in the chair. In John chapter 16 and verse number 13, the, spirit, the, the scripture said that when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. There is a principle in this scripture that you need to get. It is, it is, it is a destiny scripture. It's a destiny principle. And if you're taking notes, you need to take this. Spirit precedes revelation. Pastor, I don't know how I feel about all these people that don't have the fullness of truth speaking in other tongues. I'll tell you what, it ought to excite you. I had a pastor tell me today from California, he called me today. He said, bro, he said, I don't know what's going on in Indiana, but he said out here in L.A., he said our Catholic churches have started having Pentecostal services because Catholics are so hungry. He said they're so sick of the system. And he said it's putting pressure on their churches. He said there are Catholics getting the Holy Ghost all over Los Angeles. 
I know everybody wants to look at Gavin Newsom and the politics of California. Let me tell you what God's doing. He's pouring his spirit out in the Catholic Church. He told me, he said, I'm getting ready this week to go preach an anniversary service for a church. He told me what the church was. He said, they don't believe what we believe. They have, they've, they've shown in the past, they've shown no desire to believe what we believe. He said, but God has given me favor with this church. And he said, in the last few months, I've had 24 people from that church receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our church. I don't understand, Pastor, why God is endorsing these people. You're missing the mark. The Holy Spirit falling on people is not God's endorsement. It's God's blessing that's drawing people to a deeper level of relationship with God. And if we stand back and get critical at every move of God that comes, God is going to hold us accountable in judgment. While some are standing back saying it's strange fire and it's false and it's made up, I'm leaping for joy in my spirit and I'm saying, God, pour it out. Pour it out. Pour your spirit out on your sons and your daughters. Pour it out. Well, these are people that made fun of tongue talking. Good. It serves them right because now they're talking in tongues. They used to make fun of people talking in tongues. And now God's pouring it out on them. It's so funny. Because when you start making statements like, I would never do that. I'll never talk in tongues like that. Man, that's stupid. I've never danced in the aisles like that. Those people look like idiots, man. I'd never run the aisles like that. You better be careful. There's a revelation coming. There's a spirit coming. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. We've been praying for revival to hit this country. You think God's just going to do it in the apostolic church? God's going to send his spirit to people that are hungry, that are looking for something fresh and real. I don't mind saying this to you tonight because I've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. Our universities are cesspools for disgusting doctrines, for, for, for perversions. They are cesspools of darkness. And I, I told somebody, maybe my wife, I don't know. I said, I think this is so ironic that revival is happening in universities. Oh, this is these are horrible people. These are liberal people. What? That's who needs the Holy Ghost. We got, we got to celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit of God in this nation. What, what is God doing? Why does God visit places like this? And so, I've been, I've been on a journey this week. And I got to, I, I, I just, for some reason, there's something that's so special. I don't know how to explain this, and I, I'm not going to stay here. But there's really something special about Anderson. I, I don't know, I don't know how to explain this to you, but spiritually, in, in historical records, God has visited this city. There have been outpourings in this city 
for years. I don't know how many of you have studied at all the, the history of, of Azusa Street. But I want to tell you something that's very interesting about Azusa Street. Although our roots don't run to Azusa, they run straight to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. This was another prayer meeting that broke out. And one of the men that was kind of the, the leaders of this, his name was Seymour. But I want to tell you something about uh, Mr. Seymour. Before he ended up in Los Angeles, in 1904, he was in Anderson, Indiana. In 1904, he was in Anderson, Indiana. And he joined himself to a holiness group. Uh, this holiness group eventually splintered and became what's known as the, the Anderson Church of God. And they, they, they split ways over uh, separate living and several things. I won't go into all of it, but Seymour left here and he started south and he came across... Uh, several big players in the Azusa Street Revival. And he was introduced to a man by the name of Parham. And they end up in Los Angeles. And there's a spirit outpouring. I'm giving you the short version. There's so much to this. But it's interesting because what God did there, the hunger that was in William Seymour, he got in a meeting in this city. I, I don't I've asked God many times. I'm like, I mean, we're, we're not like really on the way to anywhere. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, if you're, if you're coming somewhere, you may have to pass through Indianapolis, but like you don't have to go through Anderson and Muncie. Like, there's really no reason to. Why here? Yet in 1929, God sent a young married couple and a single 17-year-old girl from Medora, Indiana said go to Anderson because there are disciples that want to hear. And they started the first Pentecostal church in a home group praying. Hand dug a basement building at 19th and Lincoln. We moved here in 1968. And in 2023, the Spirit of God is still falling. And I don't believe we've seen the greatest outpouring we're going to see. I'm sorry if you believe you have. You're in the wrong building tonight, baby. There has been a hunger. There's been a hunger in the spiritual atmosphere of this city for many, many years. I can tell you stories. I don't really have time tonight. I'm not a, I'm not a great historian, but... I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard stories of the old glory barn days. The outpouring of the Spirit of God in this city. And so it's a similar thing in Los Angeles at Azusa Street. The Spirit of God was poured out. And if you've read those stories, I'm telling you, it'll, it'll take your breath away. That they would stay up all night long groaning in the Spirit. All night. Not one of them had an iPhone. I'm going to say something. That's gonna we may have to do CPR on some of you. 
Are you guys ready? People missed work because they were drunk in the spirit. You can be seated. People got so hungry for God that they said, I don't, I don't care what I have to make up when I leave here. If my boss fires me, so be it. I'll find another job. But I want God. And they got a taste of it. And when you get a taste of it, you get hungry for it. Oh, God. And God poured his spirit out. And the spirit started moving. I'm telling you this for a reason because you need to hear it. And the devil's still telling the same lies today that he was telling then. But the problem was people of different colors started coming in and, and, and getting the Holy Ghost in the revival. And Parham said, this can't be right. This, this is not it. Folks, this is not new. This goes all the way back to the book of Acts. They said, why is God filling these Gentiles with the Holy Ghost? They're not like us. But the Spirit of God brings us to common ground. It doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if, if you're Hispanic, if you're eight. doesn't matter who you are. you got to have the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost and fire makes you royalty in the family of God. I don't care what the world's lying about. The kingdom of God has no racism in it. There is neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's not bond or free. We are children of the Most High God. And it's time for an apostolic outpouring of the Spirit of God. If you think you're going to go to white heaven, you have missed it. If you think you're going to a black heaven, you have missed it. You're going to walk on streets of gold with the Jews and the Gentiles. You're going to walk on streets of... You're going to walk on streets of gold with Africans that's never spoke your language, maybe never seen a white man. The Spirit of God got to drawing. And believe it or not, before God could finish leading them, the revival fell apart over preferences. And there was a prevailing spirit of racism. And that's, that's when you start handling strange fire. Now stay with me. When the spirit of God comes, the spirit of God leads us to repentance. But people were not willing to repent. And because they were not willing to repent, they refused to open the waters of baptism and baptize in Jesus' name. And there was one man that left that meeting and he came all the way back out here to the Midwest from Los Angeles and he went to Indianapolis and he met a man there that he had heard about because he had been led by the Spirit of God into deeper truth and his name was G.T. Haywood and he said, Brother Haywood, I was in Azusa in Los Angeles and was filled with the Holy Ghost but I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. And Brother Haywood baptized him in Jesus' name. 
I'm saying to you that when the spirit starts falling, that God is drawing people. We cannot stand back and wonder why God chose them. God chooses people because people have been saying, we want more, we are hungry, we are tired of religion, we are tired of tradition, we are tired of systems, we want God. I wish we'd get a little more of that in Pentecost. God wants to pour his spirit out on preachers that aren't on district boards. God wants to pour his spirit out on people that's never been elected to positions. God wants to pour his spirit out on people that are sick of politics in the church. When the spirit of God comes, there is a challenge that's issued by the spirit. Now, this is where we're going to start seeing lines drawn. Now, you stay with me. And don't you put no words in my mouth. Because I'm going to stay in the word of God tonight. But I refuse to criticize an outpouring of the spirit of God. When God is pouring his spirit out, I'm rooting it on. And I want to tell you why I'm rooting it on. Because spirit precedes revelation. Let me say it again. Spirit precedes revelation when the spirit of pastor i don't know because i saw girls in short shorts and tank tops up there speaking in tongues was that real spirit precedes i don't know pastor they didn't look like they were dressed right are you sure god would bless that he's sending his spirit on all flesh When the spirit comes, it issues a challenge. The spirit of God moves us. And and, and I've been hung up on this. I preached about it before I left. The spirit of God moves us to deep places. And so you got to make a decision when the spirit comes. Am I going to stay in the shallow end? Or am I going to let the spirit lead me to deep places? And God, you write this down. God is bringing this nation to her knees. God is bringing this nation to a place where we are going to decide from the university to the courthouse if we're going to repent. Folks, listen. I wish I could tell you names tonight. I wish I could. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be goofy, but we're, we're streaming live. Right now, we have apostolic, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost-filled people that are working with some of the highest dignitaries in the world in the United Nations. I mean, right now. I'm talking like crown princes and, and, and getting invited to come to their apartment and saying, I was raised in this system of religion. But I want what you've got. And taking them in their great big New York City apartment into a big whirlpool tub from 
foreign nations that don't even believe in the same God we do. Putting them in that bathtub and saying in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins. The Spirit starts leading people. And you got to make a decision when the Spirit leads if you're going to follow or you're going to stay. And that's where God's bringing this nation. And I'm not here to pronounce judgment because I'm not God tonight. But I'm going to tell you right now. If you read through history, you're going to find out this is what happens. When God brings a nation to an opportunity for repentance and they reject repentance. Then God starts judging matters. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I don't have time for naysayers. I don't have time for negative people. So let me just tell you how your pastor feels about it. If you disagree with it, it's okay. you got a right to be wrong. We are about to see the greatest harvest we've ever seen because God is leading people by his spirit. God's leading people in this city, in churches. It's been prophesied to us. I know we're streaming, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's okay. I went, uh, I went to a, 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 a mass in this city, and I was, um, I was repulsed by what I felt. It, it wasn't a godly feeling when I went. But I went, I went to just be kind, and there was a dark feeling in the room. It wasn't like. A God hunger. It was, you could feel the manipulation of hearts. You just feel it. And so it got the best of me. And I was already married. I don't know how old I was, early 20s. But I, I went to this church one day and the door was unlocked. So I went in. And uh, I, <laughs> I walked into the sanctuary and there was nobody in there. But I saw how they prayed when I went to that, that mass. And so I just walked in and took one of them little do-flippy things and put it down. I did. I mean, that's where they all pray. It's like a little kneeling bench thing. And it, go, it flips down. I looked around and got down on my knees and I said, God... Every time this man gets up in this pulpit and preaches anything but the truth that you're going to reveal to him, I want you to make him sick to his stomach. I said, God, reveal your truth. Reveal truth and lead men to repentance. I'm like in their church praying. God, this is our city. Giving this this city for truth. And I want you to reveal truth to this man. Well, a few months later, I was doing a funeral. We had two funerals going in the same funeral home. And the man that was the priest at that church came walking in to do the other funeral. And I had some buddies there at the funeral home. And, and they acted like it was good to see. And they said, it's been a while, it's good to see you. And I said, what's the deal? It's been a while since you've done a funeral. They said, no. He retired. 
I said, what? They said, yeah, he just decided recently that he was going to retire. And he retired and left the church. They invited him to come back and do this funeral. Now, I'm not taking credit for anything, but I'm going to tell you what. I don't know very many priests that take early retirement. I'm going to tell you what your pastor believes. I believe that man laid down one night. And the Lord said, the man you thought was the first pope of the Catholic Church opened up his mouth in Acts the second chapter and said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you. It's time we get bold and start praying bold prayers. Truth is going to prevail in the earth. God's given us an opportunity and if the world that's hungry starts receiving the Spirit and they look at us and we're being critical of it, God's going to hold us accountable. We've got to believe that God can do something bigger than what's happening in the four walls of this church. So, I'm, I'm looking for biblical precedent. And, and I got an axe. I got an Acts, second chapter, and I started reading through, and we got the day of Pentecost is fully come. They're all in one accord in one place. The sound comes from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and then they leave the upper room. Are you with me? The Holy Ghost visits them, and they leave the upper room, and they're speaking in other tongues. Now, it's so funny to me that anybody could stand on a theological idea that tongues are confusion. I had a man tell me that one day. He was a, he was a preacher, and he said, you got to believe in tongues, and tongues don't do anything but breed confusion. I said, that's, that's kind of funny because it's what created hunger in Acts, the second chapter. They came out of the upper room speaking in other tongues, and jaws started hitting the floor, and they said, what in the world is going on? They said, how is it that we hear them speaking in our language, glorifying God? It wasn't glorifying man. It was glorifying God. And the scripture said that the visitation of the Spirit of God that was emanating from this 120 people began to flow through the streets and they started getting inquisitive. Somebody say hunger. They got hungry. And they said, how is it that we're hearing this? Are these people drunk? And the apostle said, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all. Uh, say, could you all help me with that one more time? On Oh, so they're not all going to look like me? Well, I, I, I mean, I've known them for a long time, Pastor. They weren't like, they don't come from good people. Somebody say all flesh. I'm, I'm talking about drug dealing flesh. I'm talking about homosexual flesh. I'm talking about prostitute flesh. I'm talking about alcoholic flesh. 
He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on I'm talking on former witch flesh. I'm talking on former warlock flesh. I'm talking on sorcerer's flesh. All flesh. He got your kids involved. He said the sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy. Young men's going to see visions. Old men's going to have dreams. And so they start asking questions because they're hungry. Somebody say hungry. They got so hungry. It's so powerful. God dealt with me on this today. I, 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 I couldn't hardly stand it. It got on me. Verse 36. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is not just Mashiach. He is Yahweh. He is Lord and he is Christ. He is the one that was and the one that you thought was coming. He's both. He's here. Verse 37. This is where we're at right here. This is where, this is where we're at with all this outpouring of God's spirit in this country right now. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Uh, Pastor, the, 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 the infilling of the Holy Ghost is supposed to bring joy. It does. It brings joy like you've never known. But I'm going to tell you what else it does. It brings a searching. It brings a searching in your spirit. That when his spirit comes and settles in on your heart, you realize how holy he is. And you realize how unholy you've been. I still find that every day. I, can't, I, I don't ever want to lose that feeling. When I start praying in the Holy Ghost, I feel that spirit searching me saying, come a little higher. Come, come a little higher, son. Come a little closer, son. Get, you know what God's doing in Asbury right now? He's saying, you kids, come a little closer. And it's going to make some people jealous. But I, I'm, I'm joining with the heavenly host tonight saying, come on, kids. Come on, come on. Come a little closer. Hey, Lee University, come a little closer. Don't be afraid of what God's doing. Come on in. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. What, what pricked their hearts? The Spirit of God pricked their hearts. The Word of God pricked their hearts. The apostles didn't stand there and stick their finger on their nose and prick their hearts for them. Can I preach to this church tonight? We got to be careful that we're not skinning fish before we get them in the boat. We got to let the Spirit prick their hearts. Well, they, if they're going to come here, they need to look a little bit different. Okay. We're here. So I'm just going to throw it out. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care where they come from. I don't care who their parents are. There is a call that must emanate from the church. All ye that are weary and heavy laden, come. 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 
Pastor, that's dangerous. You're right, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for people that have become professional Pentecostals. It's dangerous for people that are afraid they're going to lose their seat. But I'm going to tell you right now, some, of, some folk are going to be surprised when they finally decide to come back on a Wednesday night. Because they're going to show up on a Wednesday night and they're not going to have a seat. Somebody that smells like weeds going to be sitting in their seat. Somebody that smells like nicotine is going to be sitting in their seat. And they're going to look down their nose and say, why are they here? Because the Spirit's drawing them. That's why they're here. They're hungry. When the Spirit comes, the Spirit will prick your heart. Somebody say, let the Spirit work. <laughs> let the Spirit work. When they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said, somebody shout hunger. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? I love to preach Acts 2.38. But we get real super excited about dunking people and people speaking in tongues. But what was the first thing that came out of his mouth when they said, what should we do? Oh, God, somebody help me right now. Men and brethren, what should we do? Repent. Repent. Why is God sending his spirit to America right now? Because it is the will of God that men everywhere should repent. It is not 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Anybody know what the promise is? The Holy Ghost. He is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But he's long suffering to us. We're thank God Almighty. And he's not willing That anybody in the world, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, old, young, he's not willing that any should perish, but that everybody would join a church. Why don't you come to church with me? Our relationship with people, introducing them to God, always starts with, you ought to come to church sometime. Men and brethren, what should we do? Peter said, go find you a gospel preaching church. Peter said, repent. 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 Because when the Spirit comes, Spirit precedes revelation. And when the Spirit starts moving, there's a hunger in people. And when people get hungry, they ask the right questions. And when they ask the right questions, the answer is repentance. I'm going to be very vague with this story. But there was a president in the United States. It's been in my lifetime. It was one of the most scandalous presidents we've ever had. He was caught in major scandals. And an apostolic preacher had access to the Oval Office. And so this elder man got in to see the president. And when he walked in the door, I'm giving you the short, the short version of the story. 
But when he walked in the door, the president stood up to greet him in the Oval Office. I'm talking about apostolic authority. It wasn't disrespectful. The president stood up to greet him, and that old man of God pointed his crooked finger in his face. And he said, God sent me here to tell you today that he's given you a space to repent. And he said, if you don't repent, God is going to openly expose the sin before all men. And he turned around and walked out of the Oval Office. Three weeks later, it was on the news everywhere. Pastor, there's, I just don't know how we're going to have revival because there's people we can't get to. It would amaze you. The people that God has given the apostolic church access to. But when the spirit starts drawing, you got to make up your mind if you're going to repent or you're going to stay the way you are. God's calling this nation. It ought to make some people a little bit fearful. I'm going to be honest. Because there's a deeper call than I've ever seen in my life in this nation right now for revival. We've had to get to a place of desperation. And young people are waking up and they're saying, I, I, there's no such thing as gender fluidity. They're, listen, people are getting sick of fake. They want something real. And I pray to God when they walk through the doors of the church of the living God, they find real. So I, I, I got, well, well, you think then, Pastor, you think that, that, that this, whole, this whole thing means that everybody's going to come into alignment and it's all going to happen? Listen, I was doing a little research today, and I'm going to give you the source according to Israel, uh, experienceisraelnow.com. Never been on the site that, that I know before. This is one man's opinion on experienceisraelnow.com. Scholars estimate that somewhere between 10 and 50% of the population was in Jerusalem for the Passover in the years that Jesus was alive, the year that he was crucified. The Temple Mount had been expanded to hold the holiday crowds. Roman rule made travel safer than ever. With an estimated 2 million people in Israel while Jesus was alive, they believe that somewhere between 200,000 and 1 million people were in Jerusalem for the Passover, the year that Jesus died. So we're going to use the round estimate of one, one website's opinion. That there was somewhere between 2,200,000 and 3 million people in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were added. I believe God gave, if there were 3 million people there, I believe God gave 3 million people a chance to repent. Three thousand repented. This is, this, is, this is where history starts marking things. God draws by his spirit. Why does he do it? So that men would repent. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Two million people, three million people, and 3,000 are added. Look, if you'll notice in history, this has got to be the spirit that gets on the church. We don't know how many people for sure were in Jerusalem. What we know is how many received it. And that's what we rejoice over. The enemy wants us to get overwhelmed by the people that don't. 
Well, how many people were there? I don't know. There's only opinions. But we do know that 3,000 were added. I'm praying tonight, oh God, I don't care if it's three or 300. Wherever you're pouring your spirit out, draw men. Draw by the spirit of God. They were pricked. They were pricked. They were pricked in their hearts. I celebrated tonight because they're pricked in their hearts. I want to finish with this tonight. I don't know if you're familiar with the group that's called Doctors Without Borders. They do a lot of work in, in uh, East Asia. But they were in a village. They were trying to get to a village in Nepal where they had received word of a very sick woman. They couldn't make it all the way into the village because of the terrain with all of their setup and all their, their equipment. So they established a base camp of sorts. And it was easier for them to set up their camp, get all their equipment set up, and then send a couple people in with animals or whatever to bring this, this lady out. They, she, was, she was in very bad shape. And so they said that as, as they came back to camp with the woman who was so sick, they said the closer they got to the camp, you could hear the woman just screaming in anguish. She was moaning and groaning and just, it was horrifying, they said. And she got close to the camp and they started noticing that her face was extremely swollen. And uh, they realized when they saw her that she was suffering, all the suffering that she was going through was because of a terrible abscess tooth. Well, the Doctors Without Borders, they had a dentist with them on the team. And so they brought this woman in to the chair and they set her down in the chair her face and gums were swollen so full of infection she was miserable in pain screaming and moaning and it was a terrible terrible thing and so this dentist takes out his syringe and he injects some novocaine or whatever used into her gum and and they said within minutes she stopped this the, the crying and the screaming and and the yelling and the moaning and the groaning and they said, in a few minutes, a smile came up on this little woman's face. She began to smile with that swollen face. They said, when the medicine kicked in and she was smiling, that she stood up out of the chair and they, they, they said, no, you need, you need to sit down. She said, no, no, no. She took off running out of the clinic. She went back into her village. And they found her dead the next day. Because of all the infection that was in her body. Listen. A woman literally died of an abscess tooth. Because she got temporary relief from the pain. The doctors were screaming. Stay in the chair. You're feeling relief but you're not healed. You've got a reason to smile now, but you're still not healed. I want to speak to this nation right now. We've been praying for God to draw this nation. But when God starts relieving the pain, we got to get them to stay in the chair until God starts healing. Oh, God. If you're here tonight and the Spirit's been leading you, don't get up and run out of here. 
If the spirit's been drawing you, stay in the chair. Let God work on your spirit. Let God get the bitterness out of your heart. Come on, you got to stay in the chair. What a shame for someone to die of an abscess tooth because they wouldn't stay in the chair. God, whatever you're doing in this country, I want to be in the middle of it. Whatever you're doing in Norway, whatever you're doing in Europe, whatever you're doing in India, whatever, God, I want to be a part of it. Don't do it without me. But I don't want to be a part of a revival that brings temporary relief and makes people smile. And then we send them right back into their village to die. We need a revival of repentance that heals the wounds in the heart. Oh God. America, stay in the chair. We got to stay in the chair. If we're going to have revival, it can't just be tongue talking. It's got to be deliverance. I've been praying, God, if your spirit's moving on these colleges, I pray now that you would move with a sweeping move of deliverance. Let people start getting delivered. Let sex addicts and drug addicts walk in and get delivered. We've got to have delivering power. Stay in the chair. If the Spirit pricked your heart, then let the Spirit lead you to repentance. If the Spirit pricked your heart, let the Spirit lead you to water baptism. Not everybody's going to be healed. But I'm not going to focus on the ones that go back to the village and die. I'm saying God make us sensitive to the hungriest among us. And if you're going to send hungry people, let us be hungry to serve those people. Let us be hungry to heal those people. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that you take every bit of prejudice out of our hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus that we wouldn't care where they come from, what lifestyle they came from, what their background is. Let us give them a chair and let us see them healed and delivered and free in Jesus' name. God's bringing us to a decision place. As I close tonight, I want to tell you that if we're going to see true repentance in our nation, we're going to have to see true repentance in the church. And so I'm asking the Lord right now that before we leave here on a Wednesday night, that there would be a sovereign, sweeping move of repentance. Yeah, but God, God's been blessing me, Pat. His blessing's not his endorsement. That's his response to hunger. But I'm asking tonight, if anybody in this place is so hungry for God, that you'd be willing to ask the Lord to search your heart one more time before we leave here. God, search my heart and my mind and my spirit. Give me clean hands and a pure heart. I want to ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in your holy mountain. God, I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in thy sight. I don't want to miss you, God. I don't want to miss your coming. And I don't want to miss this revival that you have brought to the United States of America. God, we have prayed for global harvest. Now let us buy in.
Come on, let there be a call for repentance in this room right now. There is a call for repentance in this room right now. God, search this church. Search our hearts. Lord, if you want to use us, we're willing and we're available. If there's a platform you want to give us to love people, we'll love people. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, church, I've, rest, I've wrestled with this. I had no intention of, of, of ever even mentioning this, bringing it up, but I'm going to tell you, God's doing something in me. He's doing something in this church. And I want to, I want to tell you all tonight, I struggle with self-promotion bad. I, I don't ever, I don't like that. Something's got on me. That I'm, I, I struggle with the critical spirit that I see among brothers and sisters and dissension among churches like we're in competition. It's foolishness. This last Sunday morning, I woke up early. And when I pulled out of my driveway, instead of coming to the church, I drove to some other churches. And I pulled in the parking lot of their church and parked my truck. I started praying for the pastors of those churches. I started praying for revival in those churches. I said, God, I want you to send revival to this church like they've never seen. I said, God, I want you to, I want you to send help. I want you to send labors for the harvest to this church. I didn't say a word about our church. I said, God, I want you to bless this man. And I want you to bless these people. And I want you to bless this city. Because the revival that you have for us, it's bigger than FPC. How in the world are we going to win the world when we can't even get along with one another? God, give us a revival of repentance. I want to tell you something. When my neighbor's having revival, I'm having revival. When my neighbor has a breakthrough, I'm having a breakthrough. I pray that God gives us a harvest so big and so fast in this city that we're looking for churches big enough and we're, we're having to make more service times just to get people in. Let's have revival. Our mission is not church growth. Our mission is people. God, forgive us. Forgive us if we've been arrogant, God. Forgive us if our spirit's been wrong, God. We're not in competition. We want to see harvest, God. Do something in this church, Lord. Shake this congregation from the platform to the parking lot, God. Shake this.
this city, Lord, and use us in this process of revival. Folks, I don't believe God's give up on this city. I don't believe God's given up on this city. I don't believe God's given up on this state. I don't believe God's given up on this nation. We decree it in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship together in a spirit of agreement right now. Woo! Oh, I wish you'd shout it tonight. God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me, God. Stay in the chair, church. Stay in the chair. Stay in the prayer closet. Stay in the field. Jesus is coming. And he's not coming back for a weak, anemic church. He's coming back for a powerful church. He's coming back. He's coming back for a revival church. And I believe we're going to be counted in that number. How many of you want it tonight?